from Walrasadi, and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum. The guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, podcast. Hey guys, it's Ryan. And this is Steve, and you know what you're listening to, so let's cut the chit-chat and get to working. Yeah, full-on working, Steve. We're hard-working men working on the podcast microphones. Word up. That's what we're doing, right? Word to your mothers. It's hard to call this work, but it really is, isn't it? Work, 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 work. We're working hard, slaving over a hot microphone, All right. getting you the podcast content you deserve, yeah. uh, drinking Coors. The Coors of beer. Eating burritos. The burritos of burrito. Talking about all this freaking guitar The stuff. guitar of guitars. So last episode was our hype episode. We don't have as much density of content this episode, so we get to be a little bit more chill. Yeah, whatever. Get to be so chill. I would never. I would never let down our fans by being chill. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, should we talk about what's new? Yeah, let's talk about what's new. Well, hopefully I have completed the demo for this pedal. You so better have. This won't be complete nonsense that I have to cut out before the episode airs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have had the pleasure and the opportunity to play around with... Pelican Noiseworks very first pedal. Yep. The Pelotar. It is a pedal that is gold with brown pointy knobs. Yep. With a picture of a mythical creature that is combined with a horse on it. That's true. What do you think it is, Steve? Well, it's obviously the Pelotar. It's obviously the Pelotar, a combination between a horse and a pelican gone yep. awry. Uh and of course, you know from the description of the box that this is a uh, styled after a type of pedal that some people say, oh, it's super transparent. And other people say, no, it has a very pronounced high mid hump. It's so transparent, you hardly even know it's there. Yeah, it's so transparent, you hardly even hear your guitar. <laughs> the reality of this pedal is that Pelican Noiseworks has built something that looks like a Klon clone, mm-hmm. but in fact is one of the most unique, as far as control sets go, over-the-top insane fuzz I've ever played. Yeah. Like, it is a bonkers fuzz. I'm really excited that we get the privilege of basically la- launching this company. Well, we're hoping to helping to launch. I'm sure there's a couple other demo guys covering it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we are doing. We did a full dramatic uh, video. I can't even describe it because I haven't <laughs> finished producing it yet, uh, as of recording this dem- this episode. But please go on our YouTube and check it out. I'm sure we have it pasted, posted on the Facebook group, and I'm totally hoping it's yeah. done by the time this episode. Basically, airs. Um, it's two fuzzes in one box. Yep, with a tone control. That is very difficult to describe. I can describe it. Well, okay, I'll let you describe it because let I'm des- still wrapping my head around it. Let me describe this pedal. I have had enough time with it to kind of soak it in and wrap my brain around it a little bit and understand this bizarre mind baby mm-hmm. that Pelican Noiseworks has come up with. Yep. There are three knobs on it. There's gain, there's tone, and there's output. Right. That doesn't mean what you think it is. Gain does not control amount of gain. It does not control amount of fuzz. In the middle at noon, what's going on is you have an even blend between two different fuzzes, two different fuzzes. 
One is kind of, I I would venture to say kind of big muffy, sure. kind of heavy, kind of uh, very fuzzy, kind of uh, dark. And the other is very bright and gritty. So in the middle, you get an even blend of both of these fuzzes. Yeah. You turn the knob to the left and you get the muffy side. You turn it to the right and you get the bright gritty side. And then things get crazy because the tone knob, normally a tone knob, you turn it one side, it gets dark. You turn it the other side, it gets bright. Mm-hmm. You turn This one, you turn it to the left, it gets dark and it gets bright. You turn it to the right, it gets dark and it gets bright because it's two stacked pots inside there. It's a double pot and one of them is reversed. So... It, when you turn it to the left, it turns the one of the fuzzes dark and it turns the other fuzz bright. And when you turn it to the right, vice versa. Yeah. So this thing is really strange and really kind of fluid in how you tone shape it. But you, it sounds like bonkers. Like this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But when you start to mess around with it, you really start to get it and you find a lot of useful sounds really quickly. It's kind of a really interesting concept and I'm really impressed with it. What crazy function does the output knob have? Oh, that's just volume. Oh, okay. (laughs) Apparently there's trim pots inside where you can adjust the actual gain. Of, I'm guessing of the that Pelican Noise works when they send these out to actual customers. The manual will say, do not touch the trim pots. No, he told me to mess with them if oh, I okay. want. Um, but this that thing was is, supposed to be a callback. Ryan. I know, callback to the previous episode. Uh, this thing is heavy. I've been using it on guitar. It sounds great. We tried it with bass tonight. Yeah, and your bass is garbage. Like, <laughs> you know, my bass is a $120 Slammer Series short scale bass that has the original strings on it while yeah. it's been like sitting next to an open window. And every day, Ryan rubs salt on the strings. I need to hit up Gear Supply for some bass strings, basically. Yeah, it's, uh, something, man. Something. I actually really like the way the ba- that bass plays, but the strings are shot for sure. Yeah, the problem is, is and you do this. Your your guitars have double a double life as like. Well, anyway, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want want to der- yeah. derail, but we threw bass on it. It sounds incredible with bass. Yeah, I will tell you that if we don't have an opportunity to do bass for the main demo. Then, I want to. Then we're going to do a separate gas and go. We're, like we'll find a time where I can come over and I'll record bass. No, we're doing the so full, we're doing the full demo. I want to I want to work bass into there. It won't take that long to uh, show off the guitar features of it and then we'll work in bass features in the same video because it sounds phenomenal with bass. Like cla- it sounds classic. Yeah. Like I haven't heard you use a ton like usually when you're using fuzz on bass, you're blending it in with delays and reverbs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, like it's a, a very thing. swell thing. Yeah. You were using fuzz on the bass in like the most classic bass fuzz way I could yeah. imagine. Yeah. Like you like I was like looking around like, is Lemmy here? <laughs> like, what's going on here? Like, I was impressed. So Thank you. that is something we're gonna definitely show off in the demo. I'm really stoked about this pedal. I can't wait till you guys see the demo. We're going to have a lot of fun with this thing. Um, yeah, super stoked. 
flagship launch for a company. Yeah. This is a new one for us. I and you it. know what? Honestly, like I had to bite my tongue so hard the other day because I was in another Facebook group where they said, what's up with all these companies? Like, you know, oh, every Tom, Dick, and Harry's. I'm, I made a pedal. I'm going to launch a pedal company with the one pedal that I made by hand. I've made like five of these Tube Screamer clones or whatever. And uh, like, and the, basically the question was, why don't people try to like do original stuff uh-huh. for their thing? And I was just sitting there going like, oh, I'm sitting on this pedal. That is probably the, as far as conventional guitar pedals go. It's probably the most the, original fuzz I've had around ever. It's definitely the most original launch that I've oh, that I've seen for sure. Um, I don't I don't want to say it's the most original pedal ever made or the most original fuzz. It's probably uh-huh. the most original fuzz that yeah that we uh, that either of us have have just had. And I'm not that's not to say like well I guess I guess against the fuzz probe it's pretty neck and neck but right. like as far like the freaking tone control that's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and just blending, really interesting yeah. and, and like I said for for a first pedal for a company um it's it's very ambitious. And at the same time the whole look of it is an obvious joke. Yeah. Like they're yeah. trying to be funny with the whole like Clon clone ripoff yeah. sort of thing. You're gonna take this thing to your blues jam. Yeah. Someone's gonna be like, "Oh, you got that? You got another? You got a clone clone on there? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, How transparent who, does it get? Who do you think you are, Eric Johnson? Uh? <laughs> Is he a clone guy? I don't, I don't know. know. Or who do you think you are, Joe Bonamassa? You're gonna t- you're gonna take uh, it to your worship band and people. Are like, oh, this is this is a new clone. Let's yeah, and then you're gonna rip like. their face off. And it's yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah, totally. I just don't know how I'm gonna fit it on my board. You'll get it on there, Steve. Mm. I I believe in you. Here's what you do: uh, trade me your uh, your Fox pedal clone for it. Oh my god! Oh, the fuzz, the yeah. fo- Fox Tone Machine. Yeah. No. Why would I trade you? Not trade. Lend it to me. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm totally excited about this. Uh, before we get into ads, let's mention uh, the situation with Gear Supply again. Oh yeah. Uh, if you want to join the inner circle, uh, Gear Supply. Um. Check them is, out at gearsupply.co. Yeah, you can check them out. They do strings, they do straps, they do all kinds of things. Their Cables, main, their main thing is they do a subscription string service. And what they've done is they've given us a bunch of of uh, coupon codes where if you join the sixty cycle hum inner circle, which is the ten dollar pledge level, we will send you one of these codes. It's about an eighteen dollar value. Uh-huh. You can go to their site. You can sign up for the subscription service. Use the code. You're going to get your first. First, you're gonna get your first month free, <laughs> and when your box shows up in the mail, there's a rumor there might be some goodies in there. There might be some extra little goodies in there. I don't know the details of that, but that's what I've been hearing. I mean, every time I've gotten like an extra special box from Gear Supply, like for whatever reason, or for us doing a sponsorship or doing something else, there's been a bunch of stuff I did not expect. They told me there. that they were gonna send me some some extra stuff. And I was like, all right, some picks or some whatever. And, uh, there was a silver box clone in there. So I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I got one and there was a keys to a new car in there. Yeah. I don't know where the car is, but it's the keys it's, for it's it. It's Nebraska. <laughs> I got to go find this car somehow. I've just been walking around, clicking the button, like hoping I hear where the yeah, car is. Yeah, They, uh, they told me they were going to put some, some extra stuff in there on my second order. And um, one of Donald Trump's hair pieces was in the box. 
and it was still alive. Yeah, yeah. It said, <laughs> you, had, you had to hit it with a brick. <laughs> oh, man. They sent oh, us. Oh, puppy. Let's, let's talk about something they actually sent us recently. They sent us their brand new colored cable that's like a dark gray cable. Uh, I used it today to do a demo with. Uh, I mean, you know how I feel about cables. They all sound the same to me unless sure. they're broken. It works. The design is really beefy on yeah, this. Yeah, it uses pretty heavy-duty Neutrik. Yeah. Is it Neutrik or Neutrik? I you have know? no idea. That Anytime I see a N-E-U word, I want to pronounce it Neu. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's used those uh, Neutrik or Neutrik jacks. Uh, it's pretty beefy, and the cable itself is, is pretty heavy-duty. That's what I'm saying. The cable itself makes me... It gives me like an industrial vibe. Right. Like this should be connecting uh, like control panels on like some kind of heavy machinery, you know, uh-huh. like that kind of heavy cable. It feels heavier duty than like a power cord, you know? Sure. But then also kind of rubbery and soft. Like a baby's bottom. <laughs> yeah. Rubbery and soft. Just like a baby's bottom. <laughs> But I'm pretty impressed with it. Uh, so, yeah, they have all kinds of fun accessories. Uh, but the string subscription is really where it's at, in my opinion. It's really great having strings just show up once a month and not mm-hmm. ever having to shop for strings again. I've actually gotten really tired of shopping for strings because I'm always trying to search for the very best deal. Yeah. And then wondering what the strings are going to be like. Like, you get the budget strings and then... You know, like one of them breaks a week into it. You tried to get that sweet deal on Hello Music. Yeah. And they ended up charging you like $20 shipping. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Oh, that was obscene. And you know what? The guy who who runs Gear Gear Supply is super nice. There was a thing that happened on Gear Talk a while back where I think he was trying to share like a promotional code or something like that. And they have a cult. They have a thing within the culture of gear talk. Like, oh, you owe me a Slurpee if you do something that lets yeah. people down. If, if you send someone a dead link, right? So people were calling him out on it. Like, oh, you owe us Slurpees. He sent people payments for the cost of yeah, the Slurpee. I think he like PayPal'd a bunch of people like a buck fifty. Yeah, so they could go get a small Slurpee or whatever. So he's working hard to get people's business and to make people happy. And to keep people happy. So when that's going on, it's worth checking out a company to see what's up. And also this whole connection to the inner circle. Uh, there's a lot of great deal happening there. You mm-hmm. get all the benefits of the inner circle. When we make merch, you get the merch. You get free shipping for the wheel of pedals. Uh, <laughs> you get to see all our secret content you get to hear about what secret things are going to happen. You get to listen to the podcast like three hours before you get it actually to, goes live. You get to be part of the democracy of the show and help us make decisions. We developed the wheel of pedals in the inner circle, talking to people. Yeah. Like figuring out what it was going to be. Figuring out if it was a thing that it was even worth doing. Exactly. As, long, as well as many other aspects of our show, we run it by the inner circle first. Yep. So let's stop talking about new stuff and let's start talking about ads. Ads. It's another day. Take, take another drink of this Coors. Drink, drink, drink. The banquet beer. Thought it was the Coors. It is also the Coors of beer. The Coors of beer. Which one of these ads do we want to do first? Uh, well, I have the F15 listed first. The F15? Uh, the the F- T15. Stri- the Strike Eagle? 
not the jet, the PVT-15. This was sent to us by Jackson Dukes. Yep. This is a, it says 70s, 80s PVT-15 electric guitar. It's in Cabbage Town. <laughs> Where is Cabbage Town? I have Town? no idea. I want you to take me down to Cabbage Town. Oh, uh, apparently this is in the Atlanta area. What an unfortunate name for a town. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you're super proud of cabbage and growing cabbage, that's awesome. If you love cabbage, you probably see that place on the map and you're like, yeah, that's the place for me. I'm kind of, uh, you know, I like, I like vinegar based coleslaw and that's about it. I guess I like cabbage on my fish tacos. Sure. I'm not super big into cabbage. So I don't know if I'd want to move to cabbage town. Feel, Steve is shaking his I head. I feel stupider having And he's this. so disappointed in me. This is our first of two refinished guitar ads this week. Yeah. This thing has a unique paint job. I... Say yeah. it, Steve. Uh, well, um, basically, so... Well, we got to read the ad description first. Yeah, you this read is what it. we do. You read it up. Please what we ask do. if this is still available. This is a super cool late seventies, early eighties PV guitar. I didn't know they made these in the seventies, but I suppose I think it's like late seventies, very late PV yeah. guitar with a pretty cool semi-professional paint job. Works well and it is in very good shape. Includes original case. I'm also open for trades for Gibson or Fender or similar. Um, this has a very geometric refinish to it. Now, this is the natural finish PVT-15. Uh-huh. So, I suppose if there's one to refinish, this would be the one. Because um, it would be, like, pretty straightforward. Uh, I really dig this. I'm surprised that you like this. But then I'm kind of not surprised either. It's very geometric. And it's very, like... I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like Saved by the Bell. That's what I was going to say. This is a Saved by the (laughs) Bell guitar for sure. It doesn't have that obnoxious blue background, but you know, the intro had like the triangles flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what this is. It's pastel triangles with like thin black lines crossing around behind them. It looks like an early 80s Trapper Keeper or totally the Saved by the Bell background for the title screen. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about this is that they put a triangle over the part that would have said PVT-15. Yeah. I wish that they had cut out the the PV logo to let it go through. Yeah. Um, What do we think about this price? $250. Great. I'm going to... I don't know. I, I just... If you like this finish, that's a great price. If you like the finish, it's a great price. But I'm looking at eBay and I'm seeing like PVT-15 Sunburst Finish 1982 that sold for 230 And it's a Sunburst, which is my all-time oh, favorite yeah. finish. Here's another one in Natural Ash that went for 230 But what's the shipping on those? Because That's thi- including shipping. These things weigh like 60 pounds. That's including shipping. That's including shipping? Yep. Here's another one that went for $200. Again, including shipping. So I might have to pick up one of these. Two fifty is a good price for a stock one. For a stock one that's in good condition. In good condition, or maybe if you really, really love this finish and it's local to you. My first thought was maybe at two fifty, like maybe I should send this guy an email and see if he'll ship for two fifty. This one includes the case, but it doesn't look like the classic T fifteen case. Uh. But it's shaped to the body. No, I think that's a T-series case. 
I think it's just because it's open, it, it doesn't look quite yeah. the way you want you expect it to well, look. Well, I'm I'm used to seeing the heavy plastic one where it's plastic inside too. This looks like it has some kind of liner on it. Yeah, but it's definitely all plastic on the outside. Okay. So it has the case, which is nice. Yeah. So I don't know if those other ones I was listing off included the case. I kind of just assumed so because yeah. I don't know. Maybe I I'm think wrong. these guitars are going to survive the apocalypse. Yeah, and this one has like the super ferrite PV pickups, which a yeah. lot of people are like all about. I don't actually know if they're good. I never used them. I'm sure they're But it's unique. like this single rail thing that some people just really love. But like these guitars are built so freaking beefy and so heavy. Like if one of these got thrown into a volcano, I think it would just get hardened in lava. And in 6,000 years, someone would chisel it out and be like, it oh still works. This guitar still works. They're just, everything about the design is beefy. The They have their own bridge design, yeah. which is like three chunks of huge pieces of metal, <laughs> like screwed together. The pickups are just a block of formed plastic with the pickup melted inside of it somehow. Like there's nothing on this that will ever break. I think even the nut is aluminum or something like that. Jeez. Or brass. I can't. Remember. I think it has a metallic nut, unless I'm totally wrong. Like th these guitars are just—they're weapons, man. <laughs> I kind of—I kind of been wishing that I had picked one up when they were dirt, dirt cheap back in the late '90s, back when they were like 175. I mean, 250 still is not bad at all. I think what is it? The T50s go or the T60s go for a bit more? Yeah, there's a T60. Um... I forget which other ones or what other models they made. I'm not sure if the T15 is only short scale. I I know I often see it advertised as the PVT15 short scale. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's because there are two different versions or if the T15 was only made in short scale. Huh. The more I'm reading, short scale one. the more I'm reading, it makes it sound like maybe the 23 and a half inch scale was the only scale that this Interesting. guitar would have been available in. Interesting so, for sure. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next ad because I have become bored with this one. Oh, well, oh, so boring. What's the next ad? Do we, do we want to go to space or we do, do we want to talk let's about do, a boxer? Let's do this ad from Andrew Sharp. This ad is from Andrew Sharp. It's called Rocky Guitar. It's another... Steve, not that Rocky. Oh, man. Another $250 guitar that has been painted. Yeah. Do we think this one is good? Like it's, the other one? I think this one is missing the bridge. It is missing the bridge, isn't it? I didn't even notice that glaring issue. It, oh my it works. gosh. It, this is okay. First of all, I'm gonna read this with the with punctuation in in place, but no no, I'm gonna read this exactly like it is as one sentence. Okay. It works needs to be completed all parts with one tuning peg missing Keith Richards five string lull needs paint completed. Then you have a reasonable copy of George Harrison's Rocky Guitar as in Magical Mystery Tour. Cheers. 250 best offer trades. This thing needs every bit of it to be completed to be what it's advertised as. Yeah. They tried really hard to do an approximation of the paint job on George Harrison's Rocky Guitar, which is kind of like this very colorful rainbow motif uh but they have not completed the job yeah the paint job's not complete 
It's like a paint by numbers and the person gave up when they got to purple, you know? No, it's like a paint by numbers and the person decided, well, I'm going to do half of the number ones, half of the number twos, uh-huh. all of the number threes, all of the number fours. So there's like just sections where there's white showing, yeah. but there's no white in the Rocky guitar. And it just looks like primer. And yeah. they did a really shaky job of this. Like, it, you know, I kind of... I kind of already am not into reproduction art guitars, but if you're going to do it, do it. And these guys kind of just fudged it. Yeah. And then this guy's asking 250. This is probably at best three quarters of a Mexican strat. He doesn't, does he say if it's, he doesn't say what it is. So it might not, it could literally be anything. It you is, know, as I a, look as I look at the picture, it's a single ply pit guard. Uh huh. Um, and the neck shape, like the fretboard shape, doesn't actually look like. That's a, a Telecaster f- flat neck. Oh, know. is that what it look is? Look at the heel; it's flat. I don't think that's Telecaster. I think this is just all around knockoff. It's not curved at the base of the heel of the neck like a Strat. Right. It's flat. Which means he's either got a Telecaster neck in there, or this is just like a crazy cheap budget guitar. Yeah, this, this is, is just, not this is not a Fender guitar. Yeah, this is just oh, this is just gross. It's really gross. They didn't complete the art. The bridge is missing. Who knows what this is? Yeah, look, if you left a tuner off, it's not. If you left a tuner off a guitar. And it's not an exact replica of a Keith Richards style guitar. You can't say five tuners, Keith Richards, lol. This is garbage. <laughs> I want to light it on fire. This is upsetting me. I don't even. I this if this was fifty dollars, I don't think it would be worth exploring. If this was in this house right now, you'd stand on the neck and break we it. We would take. A, we would. <laughs> We would take it out back after we finished recording this. We would douse it in lighter fluid. And we, or no, we would just put it on the barbecue. We'd put it in the smoker. I would let you smoke it over the weekend. Oh my gosh. I would make you smoke it over the weekend. I mean, maybe we're wrong because we don't know all the details, but I kind of feel like we're right about this guitar. (laughs) It's bad. They did the bad thing to it. Uh, it's an embarrassment, and they shouldn't be putting pictures up in a public place. They should have just thrown it in the trash. It's just, or awful. they should they should have part they should have taken it all the way apart, sanded it down, and sold the parts. There you go. That's what they should have done. Uh, unfortunately, they also painted the pick the pickups. Yeah. Uh, and one is an open coil humbucker, so that's done. That pickup is done forever. Yeah. Because no one wants that on their guitar. <laughs> Because it looks like it was painted by a two-year-old. Like this, <laughs> this picture is tiny, but I can tell that that paint is just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Yeah, on that it pin, looks really up. thick and not in the right ways. Yeah, really bad. Let's move on to the next ad because I'm upset. Um, I found this on our local Craigslist. Yeah, you know I say local, but it's up in Hemet. Yeah, you know what this is. What is this? SG custom built guitar. That's true. Why did you read it that way? Six hundred dollars. There, this guitar. Lucy or Bill SG custom with Gibson classic. Why are you doing it that way? Seven space. 
Steve, what are you doing? Explain yourself. It's, I don't know. I'm not very good at the moon voice. Oh, you're trying to do the moon voice. I'm not even going to try to do that right now. That's such an old inside joke on the show. The moon voice. Great. I don't even remember what that sounds like. Okay, so this thing has... You already read the the description in a weird voice. Yeah, basically it's an SG sort of looking guitar. It's kind Uh, of that sandwiched wood look that was very popular in the 70s in the 70s and then it came back again in the late 90s early 2000s right uh where it's got kind of a uh a racing stripe down the middle with three different well, kinds it's of a woods. Neck th- it's a it, you, typically it's indi- indicative of a, like a sandwich neck right and then everything else is just wings right totally which uh, isn't the worst look in the world. It's not really in style anymore, but it's not my thing. It always makes me think of the Grateful Dead. Yeah, sure. Um, or John Entwistle. Th- what I'm going to say about this guitar is that there's so much about it that is wonky and weird. And the sort of things that I would normally be against. But somehow it all comes together and I like it. Like, it's an SG shape, but then the body's kind of more narrow Mm -hmm. and a little bit more offset. And then you've got the sandwiched wood, like I was talking about, which I usually don't like, but for some reason works on this. And then it has a crazy abalone inlay on the body, which I normally would not be into. But in this case, it's an outer space scene with, like, Saturn and moons and space mountains and comets and stars and something about it just works yeah on me and it just looks like it was all in all well done Mm -hmm. but then the person doesn't say who the builder is and if you're gonna sell something that was custom made by someone custom made by a luther why not say who it was so you know its pedigree? Right. So they can look that person up and see if it's anything at all. And then it's $600. Which is extremely cheap for this type of guitar. So, yeah, assuming someone did a bunch of custom inlay work on it, if this thing plays decent at all, it's kind of a cool guitar, even though... It crosses a lot of lines that I would normally call tacky. If you want to see this thing, jump on the Facebook group or the Instagram or click on the links in the description of the episode and you'll see pictures of this. Yeah. You know, I think if you had this guitar, you could use it in your band, but you'd have to rename your band (laughs) to Astronaut Ghosts. Right. This is... It's very spacey. I could see someone in like a prog rock band using this. Mm Mm-hmm. But I could also see myself using it. Like, I don't know. I, I would use this at church. <laughs> but there's so much going on here that nor- if you described this guitar to me, I'd be like, no, no way. That's that's garbage. That sounds ugly. But something about it is charming to me. I don't know. I can't put my finger on why I feel okay about it. Because you're weird. I'm a weirdo. But something about the body shape too. Like I keep. It's looking. really slim and long. It almost reminds me of like a. I've, I feel like I've seen some Japanese knockoff shape. Yeah, I really. It looks fast, is what it is, 
like the horns are longer and more offset so you get this fast look off of it i would love to have an sg just this shape with a solid finish yeah that would be neat not this natural walnut thing yeah i mean i like the wood but whatever well let's uh let's do we have anything else we need to say about the show do we just want to get into the topic I think we do. I think at this point, it's instead a good of time wasting to talk time, topic. instead of wasting time talking about ourselves again. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, blah blah blah. Check out the blog, sixtycyclehomecast.com. Yeah. Blah blah. Check blah. out our join the Facebook group. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Like our page. Join our Facebook group. YouTube channel. Like yeah, us. Subscribe. All right. Who cares, right? Yeah. Let's get into this awesome topic from the same guy who sent us a topic last week. Yep. His name is Josh Bratt. If you know what, if you want us to list a topic because you want us to generate, you want us to talk about things that you you care about, you need to send us a topic. Yep. 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. You know what we should make is we should make a form for the website where people can submit topics. Oh. You know what? That's just going to be garbage. We're just going to get spammed through it. Send us an email. Don't be a turd. That's true. Here's our topic. Business time. Business Sometimes, just kidding. Uh, we should play that as I, a. We as totally an should. Uh, I we thought got, you were going to go into the Flight of the Concord song, and I'm glad you didn't. What's the Flight of the Concord song? Business time. I don't think I've heard it. It's about uh, sexy time, basically. Oh, okay. No, yeah. any references to business, I always go uh, with. Uh, What's speak. that guy's name? Speak is his name. Speak, I think. Was Look up was. speak. Uh, something about. Oh, I think the song is called "Sometimes." Uh, sometimes it's about making a war. Yeah, he doesn't want to make a war. He wants yeah. to, he wants to make a peace. You know why they make a war? Why business? Business. All right. Why hasn't Fender acquired Mastery Bridge yet? Fender's bridge <laughs> offerings are inferior to what Mastery offers, and Mastery specializes in bridges for Fender style guitars, outside of their Rickenbacker bridge offering. Are there any other natural mergers, acquisitions in the gear community you can identify that would result in an overall better or cheaper product for the consumer? Yeah, I got one. Gibson Guitar Corporation and anyone else would make Gibson Guitar Corporation better. That's true. I'm just kidding. There were rumors going around that Yamaha was going to buy Gibson and a lot of us got excited and we're like, yes, Yamaha, please buy Gibson. <laughs> please fix this disaster. I mean, that was back in 2015 when Gibson was doing really bad things to the guitars we hey, all I, know and love. I took your last beer. Is that okay? That's totally fine, man. Cool. That's my Coors. That's my Coors of beer. Coors of beer. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Yamaha recently did acquire Line 6. And I think That's that true. was a, a merger that or like a buyout. So I'm not sure what if, like if it was a merger or a buyout. Well, I heard that they bought Line Six not to merge them with their musical instrument lines, but to merge them with their motorcycle lines, or to merge them with their household electronics lines, or to merge them with their line of of, of, uh, of jet skis. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Yamaha makes everything. You know, combine Line Six with their line of pianos. There you go. Actually, a line a line six built into a piano or a drum, I could actually see some really cool. That could actually be interesting. But you uh, can see, you know, it's kind of in their same wheelhouse, like digital modeling. Yamaha's flirted with it. They already have musical instruments that could benefit from that. They could improve Line Six technology, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I I think so. I think there are actually a lot of 
these types of buyouts that would make sense. Like, why doesn't Gibson own Grover Tuners? Good question. Grover Grover Tuner, like Grover makes a great tuner. A lot of people put Grover Tuners on their Gibson guitars as replacements uh-huh. over like the vintage style. I, and maybe that's it, is that Gibson has a vintage style tuner from Cluson that they really love. I don't know that it's actually superior to Grover, but sure. you know, tomato, tomato. Um, Something interesting that, that's been going on this year is that uh, new Gibsons, some of them that have Bixby's, are coming with trim mates. Really? Is that what they're called? Trim mates? You're talking about what you have? Yeah. The Vibramate. Vibramate. Yeah. They're coming with them so that you can remove the Bixby if you want and have a hardtail. That's cool. So that's cool, right? That's another thing where it's like, these are peanut butter and chocolate combinations here. Like it yeah. just makes now, sense. Now are they actual Vibramate yeah. brand? Vibramate brand. And you know, you do you do see that happen where like Fender has a deal with Bigsby where all of the Fender guitars with Bigsby's on them are Fender Bigsby's from the factory are Fender Bigsby's. They, they have, have the they F have on the them. F on them. Yeah. Um and Fender has done that with like other products. Uh their tuners in the eighties they had like shallower tuner or not maybe not the tuners um, but they had shallower bridges uh-huh. that were stamped as Fender. Like so, there are things like that that have happened in the past. I think that a lot of times you don't see these buyouts because part of that would be taking on all of the other business. Oh, absolutely. So, so for example, like if Fender bought out, or or the one I mentioned earlier, if Gibson bought out Grover. Then either Gibson has to decide that we're not going to supply Grover tuners to anyone else, right? Or they have to produce enough tuners that not only do they supply themselves, but now they're also having this other massive supply chain, right? And then are they competing with themselves with their own brand? You know, are they doing this or that? You know, uh, I think we should jump back on the topic of mastery and Fender, sure, because that's actually. Fender has gotten themselves in trouble because they designed an offset bridge. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be like their premium bridge that borrowed a lot of concepts from mastery as far as having two big saddle pieces that were adjustable okay. and more rock solid, but it had a different look. Uh, I don't know, but if, I, the I don't me- know if I've seen the this. mechanics were the same. And Mastery basically sent him a cease and desist and was like, you can't use that. Right. That's, we have, have, they're like, we have copyright and trademark over these specific designs. Is this the one where Fender made basically like a, a, I I guess I would describe Mastery as like a two saddle bridge. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it is. So is is the Fender one the one where they did it, but instead of having like, the thin saddle style they had like barrel saddles am uh, i thinking of the right thing let me let me see if we can pull up the the photo so i don't get it I, totally I, wrong this, i have a vague memory of this i just don't exactly remember the details it comes up every now and then because people are like how come fender hasn't put this out yet and right. the answer is always well, because mastery said hey knock it off yeah. but they keep showing pictures of it coming up on like, oh, here's our, like, custom-built secret private stock thing or whatever. Sure. Uh, I can't find it. Fender. I'm going to search for Fender's Premium. 
Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. And it, I, I'm trying to think of this from Mastery's perspective. Like, I don't know if Mastery is part of any sort of bigger company. Um, so in turn, like, I don't, I have no idea how big Mastery is. If Fender's wanting to, like, now I'm not going to be able to find this because I'm sure it's Fender has tried to bury. It. I guess there's a difference where if it was Fender trying to outright purchase this technology for their own and and basically say mastery you're going out of business right then there would be like a lot of money exchanging hands versus like just licensing the technology actually you know you think about where this has happened in the past like how many companies are manufacturing the quote licensed floyd rose right totally you know which i guess is probably just floyd rose act uh exporting their own uh manufacturing to get these things built it's just hard to think about this. Um, natural mergers are kind of like, there are situations where you think like, oh, this should be a natural merger, but the reason that you don't see it is because the company that is being talked about is already making a product that satisfies, say, 70, 80% of their consumer base. So there really isn't an incentive there. Right. And even with Fender and Mastery, like that would be a case where like, okay, if I bought a a Jazz Master or a Jazz, uh, whatever, like one of these floating uh-huh. uh, uh, vibrato, dynamic vibrato. It's not the dynamic vibrato. What's Do you know what what's it called? I don't know. Anyway, if, if you bought one of these offsets that has this bridge on it, um, maybe you want a mastery. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're perfectly fine with it because you're not doing like a heavy, uh, a lot of heavy lifting with the vibrato and everything's fine. Um, I would guess that probably goes for like, again, like 50, 60, 70% of Fender's base. So for them, yeah, they're getting some complaints and they can just say, oh, it's a classic design. That's the way it's always been. If it was good enough for leo it's good enough for you sure um and in turn like they don't necessarily face the pressure of taking out mastery then having to manufacture a 200 bridge right because i'm sure fender is already manufacturing their own bridge for much cheaper than that oh yeah totally yeah i'm sure it costs nothing to make the stock uh offset bridge for fender right now um and then the mastery bridge is like a hand-tooled yeah, like chunk of metal. Um, you can get all replacement Fender Jaguar bridges on reverb oh, from for all 30 parts bucks. for thirty bucks. Yeah, they're dirt cheap. Um, and then a mastery bridge is like what? Or what are they like two hundred bucks or something? Yeah, it like that? looks like the official Fender version is like sixty bucks of the of the mastery or of their of their own. Oh, like okay. if, if you bought but a still, that's like if you bought a Fender genuine yeah that's part. Like nothing I cannot find this Fender version of the mastery it it pictures of it pop up every now and then and I just don't know how to search for it obviously um, but they have it's basically the same mechanics as a mastery sure. but their own styling um. I also wonder if, you know, Mastery's just looking at their situation like, hey, we're kind of killing it right now. Yeah. We're making all the money we want to make. Why not grow this thing until we can sell the company for way more? There's definitely that. Of course, if the offset. Or license stuff for way more. If the offset, you know, the whole offset craze dies off, then so does that. 
Um, but I, I think there is a lot of there is a lot of perspective of that where say Fender approached Mastery and said, you know, we're gonna take what we project to be your next ten years earnings. We're gonna pay that to you up front. Right. Maybe they take that. I don't know. But maybe like again, like if you if they're making enough as it is uh-huh. and they're enjoying their relationship with other builders more, um, where uh, I just saw the other day where I think Prisma Guitars uh-huh. is now getting custom-made mastery parts. That's wild. For, like, basically, it's it's a, a new program that mastery is doing where certain uh, high-end guitar builders are getting mastery bridges with, like, in this case, Prisma is stamped into, the into like, the vibrato, that wow. vibrato plate. Um, so they're, again, they're, kind of like kind of like Fender getting their own custom Bigsby yeah. uh, bridge, or or you know getting their own stuff from Shaller or whatever. They're like flirting it's that with, type of a thing. Yeah, they're flirting with licensing. Yeah, so so it's kind of a neat thing to see, and and you know some guys. I don't want to say it's. I don't want to do the whole like cheesy like oh you know they're just they want to stay true to themselves, man. You know it's not all about the money, man. But there is something to be said for like, if you're happy running your business and you're happy like working hard, uh huh. Because not because like you're saying like, oh, I I'm content with what I have, but because you genuinely enjoy the time that you put into your work, then selling a uh, you know a business for ten million dollars isn't actually worth it because now you're like, I've got $10 million and I can't manufacture the thing that I love anymore. Right. Because I sold it off to somebody else. There's also an element. If you think about it, what if Fender looks at them like, Oh, we could buy these guys, but they don't have currently the facilities to meet our demand. Right. Like we would need, you know, 10,000 units for the first quarter and they're producing, you know, 500 units a quarter, you yeah. know? Well, and that's, it goes back entirely to what I was saying, like probably 60, 70, 80% of offset users are happy with the Fender product. It's uh-huh. that last 20% or whatever, like a smaller percentage yeah. that says like, this isn't working for me. I want something better. And that's where mastery comes in. Um, let's hit the second half of this question. Can you think of any other like kind of, Things that look like they could be natural fits? Huh. Well, there was that uh, there was that Rocky guitar, and you could pair that with like a wood chipper company. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Okay. Um, natural fits. I mean, I it's easy to pair stuff together. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to see certain guitar and amp companies kind of pair together, you know? Right. But then what would that, what would the benefit even be? I don't know. It's a tough question. It's one of those things where you can't really call it out till you see it. Maybe I feel like, yeah, yeah, I definitely feel like that. It, It would be like some kind of hardware situation. There are issues. Like I keep going back to like, I threw out the idea of like Grover. Uh huh. And Gibson or like, you know, Fender could buy out Hipshot, though Hipshot products are supplying everybody. Right. You know, so it's not that's not really a good deal for Hipshot. Right. Um, 
But also a good deal for Hipshaw if Fender shows up with a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, I also think of like, oh, it could be like all parts. Like, But all parts make so much stuff that yeah. you're not going to buy out all parts to manufacture, you know, parts for you. And because they're right. going to be like, well, we've got like another 75% of our business that we want you to pay for if you're going to buy us out. Yeah. It's not just fender parts. They're making parts that cover a lot of range, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fender's doing their own part supplying now. Like, you want to buy a Mexican neck or an American neck, you can just do it now. Yeah. And that's yeah. an interesting development. Um, it's tough. It, you know, I think you could apply this model to pickup companies. Like, why doesn't Fender buy Lolar, you know? Yeah. Or why Actually, doesn't... Actually, th- that's probably another, like, really natural fit. Yeah. You know, so many guys are dropping Lollers or, or Porters or whatever. Like, uh-huh. why don't they just, you know, why don't the big guy buy out the small guy on this And one? that still probably comes down to units, and it probably comes down to, well, we could just license this if we wanted it, you know? Um, I, I think it would be interesting to see... Companies like Fender and Gibson, the big boys, embrace these smaller parts manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And maybe like one year, Fender puts out a Jaguar that has a mastery bridge and Lawler pickups right. and maybe like Emerson wiring. Yeah. And you they, know, like, and they sell it for $4,000. They or do, you know? they do the full boutique workup on it. And sell it as a fender with these, you know, with these included parts. I'm sure they could make it happen. I'm sure their legal department could make it happen. And for what it's worth, like for what I mentioned earlier, because along those lines, some of in the case of mastery, like that's a complete redesign. In the case of like Fender versus Lawler or Fender versus Emerson, yeah. Once you get up to, you know, I threw out a number four thousand dollars, which is probably the number that not too far off from what. Fender would charge for a, a guitar with a mastery bridge, right. Lawler pickups, well, hopefully if they and did- an Emerson wiring kit. But this is a deal. Earlier I said, well, what about the small builder who takes pride in his work? As much as we are using Fender as an example of a corporate giant, they have a custom shop yeah. where for years, you know, you go on eBay right now and, and look for Ibarra pickups, you're going to pay a big chunk of change because Fender still believes, and a lot of other people believe, that the people who do the wiring in Fender Custom Shop, the people uh-huh. who do the pickups in Fender Custom Shop, they're on the same level as, oh, as sure. Porter and Lawler and you know all Seymour Duncan's Antiquity Shop and all of these different you know high end people, the Emerson kit, the Emerson kits, that the people who work in Fender Custom Shop are on that level, but they choose to stay. Sure. You know, with Fender instead sure. of going branching out on their own. Sure. And, you know, you hear a lot of boutique builders and they speak highly of the uh, the bigger companies' custom shops yeah. and the individuals who work for them because they know that there are individuals in there doing basically the same work they do. They're just making a guitar that has a bigger brand's name stamped on the headstock. You, you know? know who should buy something out? Who? Some pedal company. Uh-huh. Should buy out lock knob, <laughs> and just be like, these are our knobs now. These are our knobs now, and we are the ones that have them. And if you want to buy lock knobs, then they are, uh, they're going to be branded by yeah. us. Same thing with barefoot buttons. There you go. I could totally see a pedal company being like, 
this is our look. Every single one of our pedals is going to come with barefoot buttons. You know, there you go. Why wouldn't they? those are actually really natural? Like, sm- because it's a small thing. It's something that yeah is easily I, more easily swappable. Uh huh. But yeah, I could definitely see like a company doing that. Totally enough. Um, oh man, what else? Uh, <sighs> what other parts of guitars are there? You know, let's see. We covered <laughs> knobs, bridges. Pedals, uh, pedals, pickups, uh, string trees. Let's talk about string. Oh trees. Oh my gosh! Yeah, custom uh, boutique string trees. You know all this stuff, like the whole aftermarket's part world. Also, another reason why a bigger company like Fender might not want to buy out one of these, uh, you know, aftermarket parts companies. Is because a lot of that stuff is a moving target as far as trends go. That's true. They might look at mastery and be like, oh, people are buying these now, but we've just recently have seen an uptick in offsets. Yeah. Why are we going to invest all this when offsets could go away again as a fad? Exactly. Well, you know, there, I, I don't know. I don't follow the community. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not really an offset guy. I do own an offset. You do own an offset, Steve. Uh, but I'm not like a offset. I'm not a heavy offset user. Right. You're but not I an ha- offset nerd. I have heard people say, I may have even heard you say, uh huh, that the entire reason that the Mastery Bridge exists is because people are trying to use surf guitars in modern rock contexts uh-huh. where those guitars when they were built were designed for using like 12s and 13s well and when you use a heavier string you have less issues with the bridge right the the jaguar and jazzmaster bridge was designed for use with heavy flat wounds for playing jazz right basically and so a lot of the issues people have with the offset bridge from fender is that the break angle across the bridge is so shallow that you get a lot of buzzing and you get a lot of the uh, the saddles and the parts shifting around and buzzing. Right. That becomes a non-issue if you put on heavy flat wounds. But who even plays heavy flat wounds anymore? So you have this sure. you have this piece of of hardware that's designed for something very specific. And because everyone now uses nines to elevens, you get a super rattly, unstable bridge uh, that some people love that quirky aspect of it. Uh-huh. But other people who pick it up because they love the shape or they love other features of the guitars are endlessly frustrated by and spend a lot of time trying to tweak those problems out of it. And there's people who say, oh, I figured it out. Mine bridge doesn't have any issues. I don't know why all you guys have problems. They probably just have magic sweat that's glued it all together or something like that, you know? Uh, So mastery comes in, they make a rock solid, heavy chunk of metal bridge that fixes these issues by just having mass and having a design that isn't going to rattle to pieces right? uh, under a light gauge string. Mm -hmm. And it fixes a lot of those issues and makes these guitars playable in a modern context. But then the people who are purists who are like, you know, the surf rock set, jazz set, whatever, are like, what are you doing to these guitars? You're changing the soul of them. Sure. And, you know, I can understand both sides. People are allowed to do what they want with their own instruments, guys, is my final take on it. You know, like I said, I, I don't know why 
I'm struggling so much with this. I, when I first read this, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll totally. I'm sure once I'm thinking about gear, I'll It'll be obvious. some really natural, obvious ones. Um, but it just, like, isn't really there. Um, so I just want to say, if you have some ideas for what could be a really good fit, send us uh, send us your ideas at 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Or jump on the Facebook group and say, hey, I just listened to episode 114. You guys are a bunch of morons. <laughs> company A and company B are, are, are totally obvious. Right, right. I, I can't believe you guys didn't think of this. Like, I bet that guy Steve doesn't even know what a truss rod looks like. <laughs> you caught a lot of flack for that. <laughs> when you, Steve, uh, a couple weeks back, we broke like a month. We broke a guitar neck over here. That was two weeks ago. Uh, we broke a guitar neck over here that was an old neck. It was a rogue guitar neck, which is the brand that's the budget brand under Squire. I don't know why you say it's the budget brand under Squire as if Squire makes them. Squire licenses their name to put underneath Rogue. Rogue made by Squire. I don't think that's true. I think it is, man. Rogue is a Guitar Center house brand. Is it now? It used to be a Squire it's brand. It's been a Guitar Center house brand since at least the mid-90s. Okay. Okay. Well, anyways, this was a garbage neck that was was like 15, 20 years old. Uh, for the last 10 years, it's been rotting in my garage. Uh it, when it was last on a guitar, it was bowed to the point where you could shoot arrows with it. Um, Steve stood on it and snapped it in half immediately because we were trying to reproduce the Fender photos. Damn, you got me, dude! Of someone standing on a uh, on a on a Fender neck. The Steve's immediate reaction, lifting this thing up. Oh, what is this metal thing inside of it? And I'm like, uh, that's a truss rod, obviously. And then on the video, on the comments, Steve caught a lot of flack from people like, oh, you're supposed to be a guitar podcaster. You don't know what a trust rod is. Steve, obviously, you were just in the moment. You were high on the show. You just snapped a guitar neck. You didn't know what, like, you were asking a question in the moment. And then, like, the next second, you you realized what it was. You totally got this rogue. I've never seen the by Squire on there, but it's there. Yeah, it's there. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, they've been a uh, guitar center house brand for a while. Yeah, the funny thing well, that's is the only place it'll sell them. The only I've only ever seen like uh, the truss rod when as a raw an actual rod, right? And what this neck had on it was a box uh, a box truss. Yeah, I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but it's, it was a rectangular design, and what I've seen was always a cylinder. Uh, but again, obviously, as soon as the neck cracked open and there's metal, like, yeah, no kidding. It's a truss rod. Right, right. So, yeah, whatever. My bad. <laughs> uh, anything else I was going to say? Oh, speaking of Rogue, I was actually at Guitar Center a couple days ago. Uh-huh. And they had a, like, a Hofner-style Beetle bass yeah. by Rogue. Yeah, it was like 130 bucks because it had a chip in the headstock. Okay. It played really nice. I was kind of shocked. I've played the Beetle basses before from different brands. I've always found them really uncomfortable. Yeah, but the ones I've played before were always like, and I've played a Hofner, 
mm-hmm. but it felt like it needed it either needed a setup really bad or it was just really poorly put together. No, it's not even that. Like they just, I don't know. The something. body is uncomfortable. They're like the opposite of ergodynamic. Oh, totally, totally. But something about it, like the neck played really nice and it resonated kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, do I want this bass right now? <laughs> kind of feel like I want this bass right now. But it's out at the. Uh, at the La Mesa Guitar Center. Okay. It was like 130 bucks, I think. So you're saying I should go talk them down to 100. And probably with a with a cosmetic damage 75. on it. 75. And it had like a it had like a honey burst finish. Uh, it yeah. Was, it was really attractive. I think I've seen them. Yeah. So that's my speaking of rogue moment for this episode of we, 60 Second We should hum. start a thing that's the rogue corner. Where I just talk about a rogue guitar? Or you just talk about a rogue. That's stupid because I don't really ever want to talk about rogue ever again. I had a I had a lap uh, a lap steel oh, that's by right. rogue. Didn't you sell it? I did sell it. I got it for free and then I sold it. Yeah, uh, they're the rogue. Those rogue violin bases are two thirty new, so it's like half off. I'm guessing it's they're probably not going to wiggle on that price. I don't know. It's got that damage on there. You might be like, no one else is going to take yeah, this. Yeah, you saw that guitar with the broken neck at the other one, and they had yeah. it up for like only a hundred dollars off. That was stupid. All right. Anyway, let's talk about the song and wrap it up. Yeah, this song was sent to us by David Danielson. He is in a band or was in a band called Jacket Weather. This song is called When Buildings Collapse. I love this song. Yeah, it's your speed for sure. This is, oh my gosh, I'm I love this song. Go to jacketweather.bandcamp.com. Basically, this is a band that doesn't really play. They, he says we don't really play out anymore, but still want our music to be accessible to the public. We've made all our albums downloadable for free on our Bandcamp page. Um, if you're a fan of early Death Cab, uh, if you're a fan of the song Goodbye Sky Harbor. If you're a fan of American football, um, not the sport, but the band, American football, things like that, L1011 maybe, these kind of like instrumental indie rock um, focused bands that kind of have this like very distinctive late 90s, early 2000s uh-huh. indie rock sound, you got to check out the rest of the songs. Again, jacketweather.bandcamp.com. Hope you enjoy this. Later, guys. <laughs>